0: A uh, probably probably a lot of you. How many of you have never actually turned the TV channels by hand? How many of you have only done it by remote control? All right, so those of us who grew up having to get up off the couch to turn to one of the five channels we have. Um, so anyway, this, it, it is kind of interesting to realize 20. What did Dan say? 10 years from now what things some of you will be telling your kids. And they'll be like, you're kidding me. You had to do that. Yeah, we, our computers were that slow or whatever, you know, (laughs) whatever it will be. I don't know. Hey, uh, let me pray. And actually, you know, I want to, I want to teach a little course and we're going to sing it before the sermon today. And uh, just something I just thought of in the last few days. Um, It's some of you may know it. It's just goes, Jesus, I adore you. Lay my life before you, how I love you. All right. And it's uh, simply just to kind of, as we look into God's word, I just kind of feel like I want us to encourage us to basically tell Jesus, hey, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. All right. So Jesus, I adore you. Lay my life before you. How I love you. Here's how it goes. I'll sing it through once. If you know it, join me. So I'm not singing a solo and then we'll sing it through again. All right. It goes, Jesus, I adore you. Lay my life before you. How I love you. All right, close your eyes. And if you don't mind, if you would kind of open your hands, open your eyes first. Open your hands in front of you, even on your lap. And just uh, inviting Jesus to tell you whatever he wants to tell you. This time we'll sing it spirit, all right. Spirit, I adore you lay my life before you how i love you. holy spirit it's a scary thing to tell you that we're laying our lives before you because we know our life is not just a word, but it's our time, our energy, our emotions, our money, our values, our dreams, our wishes, our hopes. And even as I was singing, it, and I know we were all seeing it, um, sometimes we don't even realize the uh, intensity of what we're asking you to do. But we know deep inside that's what we want you to do. Um, we know we want the kind of life, Holy Spirit, that that Jesus promised us. We know we want that, and we're afraid and we're scared because for some reason we don't quite have the trust of Jesus that we want to have. Because we believe that He leads us to life, here and now, life, but we hold on to some of our uh, puny little toys that we think are going to give us the joy we are not finding somewhere else. So would you give us, uh, would you respond to our prayer that we just sang and that uh, we do lay our lives before you and as you speak to us now or throughout the week that we would be responsive to do exactly what you ask us to do. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus, amen. I'm going to tell you about an a inconvenient conversation that I had oh it was probably 10 12 years ago it was it was around christmas time it was for I me mean, like early december and i had not actually it was probably middle december now that i think about it you will know why i had not yet bought a christmas present for my wife so I was feeling, maybe it was like late december i don't know i was feeling pressure cuz i you know we had you know we had a few kids then and i thought my life was busy then and you know it's like oh, i can't get so i finally figured out there was one night it was like a thursday night or a friday night i thought oh i i I'd figured out how to tell Kathy I needed to go somewhere when I really wanted to just go to the mall and buy some Christmas presents for Kathy. So I'm in the house, and I think we're cleaning up after dinner, and she was going to watch a movie with some of the kids that night. Well, our neighbor comes over. His, his name was Chris. And he needed, like, to borrow a cup of milk or something like that. He was a single guy. He lived next door to us. And again, I'm, I'm kind of watching the time because i got to get going. i got to get to the mall. So Chris comes over ask for the milk and I give him the milk and he goes, hey, I got a question for you. I am like, sure. As I'm watching the time wanting to get to the mall, hey, why did Jesus have to die? <laughs> and I, I, I was standing next to the stove. Honestly, internally, I was like, oh, man. This is way too inconvenient right now, God. I was planning to go to the mall to go get my wife some Christmas presents. Isn't that really important? This is all happening in about a fraction of a second. Because Honestly, I'm human. I was thinking, how can I, can I blow this off or put it off? I don't want to quench the fire, but can I schedule a time for the conversation? Because I got things to do tonight. And I, I remember, I can, I can still remember, I was standing in front of the stove. I think it was straightening out a, uh, you know, a dish towel that was hanging in there. And I probably straightened it for like five seconds trying to think, okay, what am I supposed to do in there? And I turned around and, we just, and I just thought, well, okay, this is a conversation I, I need to have right now. And we had a really good conversation. I can't remember how it all ended even, but I do remember I kind of stopped looking at my watch because I thought, you know what, this is not coincidental, and this is not just a natural happening here. Something else is going on, the neighbor who needed a cup of milk. And we had had some vague spiritual conversation before, but nothing real specific. And after I gave him the milk, he asked me, why did Jesus have to die? I mean, do you think that might have, God might have been in that and, and to some degree, I'm embarrassed and ashamed of my initial reaction. But can I tell you something else? I'm actually, as I thought about it, I'm embarrassed and ashamed a little bit. Maybe embarrassed, maybe not ashamed. I'm not sure what I am. Is that I don't, I haven't had a whole lot of stories that, like that lately. Where I feel like there were conversations with somebody about Jesus that came naturally into my life and then I, was aware of and I stepped into and was a part of what God was doing in that person's life. And you're thinking, well, you're a pastor. Well, you know, I talk to people about Jesus, but people that don't yet know Jesus, to some degree, and maybe some of you, they're kind of off my screen sometimes, you know, we live our world, we live our lives in our safe world. And uh, I know people that aren't Christians, but for some reason, those kind of conversations haven't been happening lately. And uh, they happen some. But we're going to look at the Bible today and some things in the New Testament where it seemed like that was, happened a lot. And I guess I want to challenge all of us, myself included, is what does it look like to be open to the ways in which God may be moving among your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, and people that you totally don't expect to have any kind of spiritual interest, all right? What we've been doing the last few weeks, months, some of you might be thinking years, but it's not that long. Don't worry. We've been talking about the Thursday night with Jesus. It was Thursday night, the night, uh, I was just telling somebody this week, I'm kind of ready to leave Thursday night, but it's okay. You, some, you know. Thursday night, it was the night he was betrayed. It was the, it started with the Last Supper, this religious Passover meal, this an annual thing. The disciples are all there with him, all 12 of them. He washes their feet. They go. Th- he kind of breaks the script there. He does some really unique things as part of this celebration. And then he starts talking to them in really kind of last words, serious kind of tones that they didn't understand. He knew what was going to go on because later that night he's betrayed, he's arrested, he's tortured, and the next day he he dies and crucified, and then he rises from the dead a few days later. But this Thursday night takes 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, uh, those chapters that John, who was there, recorded a lot of these things. He remembered what was happening, and he really felt it was important to record those for people like us, who came after him, who wanted to understand what was Jesus all about? What was he teaching people all about? So we're toward the end of that, uh, of this particular part of the night, because he's, they've had the meal, he's washed their feet. He's had all these conversations with them about some of these last important things. And then in John 17, he breaks out into a prayer, all right? People refer to it as the high priestly prayer, but that sounds kind of religious-y. He was simply around the table with all these guys, and I think I had a little picture last week. The table would have been kind of a kind of a funny double L shape, and he would have been sitting on one end of it. But it was simply a prayer that he had with his friends. And in that culture, when people prayed, often they would often pray like this, you know. And Jesus was he would look up into heaven and pray like this. So John 17 is his whole prayer, and the disciples are listening in. And he's praying for them, and, and he's praying for some other things. And again, this is not part of the script of Passover. And it's really important, apparently it was really important to John to remember all the things Jesus prayed for. But one of the things he prayed for, let's go to the next slide. One of the things, he, he prays for the disciples, he, you know, he's praying, you know, and maybe, like the maybe you're like the disciples. When Jesus was praying, they were, they were just trying to follow along, figure out where he was going with this. And they didn't know. What was going next? They didn't figure out why it was so intense. But here's one of the things that Jesus prayed. Again, this was after the meal. The table might have been still dirty. I don't know. Somebody Peter must have spilled something on his sh- shirt. Who knows? I mean, it was normal. They were people like you and me. This wasn't like some pristine religious environment, okay? And Jesus prays this way. So I'm praying not only for these disciples. So he's talking about them, but he's talking about any of us who are followers of Jesus. Praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. So Peter and John and James, and they're probably thinking, okay, who? what's he talking about? We don't know what's coming next. I pray that they will be all one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. All right, next one. I've given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be we, with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you love me even before the world began. All right, the verse I want to focus on is an opening part of this, this part of the prayer where Jesus says this, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in, their, in me through their message. Jesus was not just praying for me at that prayer. He was praying for Chris, my neighbor. Chris eventually did become a Christian. Jesus was praying for Chris. There are people in your life right now that Jesus is praying for. You have it's not like Jesus is not randomly picking people, but Jesus is praying for all who are going to believe in him through us. So he's not just praying for you. And I mentioned last week that Jesus is praying for you. Go to the next slide. He's praying for you. He's praying for the disciples. He's praying for our Remember last week we talked about he's praying for our protection from the evil one. Not not from being hurt, but from being harmed. Kind of our heart being, or killing our heart, being disheartened, discouraged. But Jesus also now is saying, now he's also praying for people who are going to believe through you. He's praying for people that are going to become followers of Jesus because of your influence and conversations in their life. And he needs you. He needs me to do that. He needs us to do that. Now, as we're, uh, as we're thinking about this, again, put yourself back in the disciples' situation. They're trying to process what he meant, what, what's going on here. Who's he talking about? Because right now there's like 12 of us, and we have some other friends and other people that are part of this, Christian followers of Jesus. But does Jesus imagine this becoming a bigger deal or whatever? And like we have the other weeks, in order to kind of flesh this out, Let's fast forward about seven, eight weeks into the book of Acts because the book of Acts takes place seven or eight weeks later and then beyond. And, it's, uh, and then we're going we're gonna to see how did Jesus use these guys around the table to talk to other people about Jesus. So Jesus is praying, I'm going to pray for others who are going to believe in me through these guys so let's see how that fleshed out, and let's see if we can see any kind of parallel or parallel challenge to our lives about how do we be responsive so Jesus can use us to bring his message to others. All right? So, to do that, we've been taught what was challenging the last few uh, months is to read through the book of Acts this challenge of praying for people that Jesus pour out your spirit on them, pour out your spirit on them. And the sense is the book of Acts is kind of a follow-up to the Gospels. It is a follow-up to the Gospels. And it's an account of these very guys who are on the table plus others whom Jesus poured his spirit out on. And then you see the prayers of Jesus being answered. So if we can see how the prayer of Jesus, this particular prayer, was answered through these guys, then we're going to have a sense of, oh, maybe that's what he means for us. All right? So let's, let, I'm gonna, uh, we're going to jump through... F- uh, five different short accounts in the book of Acts of people who came to know Jesus through some of these guys, all right? First one, Acts chapter two. This is the account of how some devout religious people came to know Jesus, all right? Now, think about this for a second. Who do you know they are devout religious people? Maybe people that go to church, you know, people that are religious, even maybe spiritual, but from your sense, they don't really anchor themselves in a hope of Jesus. All of us know devout religious people, all right? In this case, in Acts chapter two, they were devout religious Jewish people who were there in Jerusalem for a really religious spiritual celebration, all right? This was Pentecost. It was a celebration they had, and then what happens is the disciples are all in the upper room, They're in this room. They're praying, and supernatural things happen. The Holy Spirit comes on them. They begin to speak in languages they had never learned before, praising God in languages they had never learned before. God supernaturally interrupts their world. And these devout religious people, through these ordinary men and women who God was using in a supernatural way, these devout religious people become aware of Jesus because Peter preaches And keep in mind, Peter was an ordinary guy. He was a fisherman. He didn't have a sermon note handy. He didn't pull out at Pentecost. He just started talking about Jesus. And he said, God made this Jesus Messiah. He's the one you've been waiting for. Peter hadn't planned this moment. Peter didn't script this moment. It was somewhat of an interruption to the day. They were waiting on God to do something. And God did something. And Peter stepped up to the plate. It wasn't something they planned. It wasn't, okay, here's what's going to happen. When the Holy Spirit comes, who's going to speak? Peter, why don't you speak? It just, Peter, just boom, boom, here we go. It was one of those conversations, in this case it was a sermon he gave that was totally unplanned, unexpected, but absolutely from the Holy Spirit. And some of you know how the story ends. 3,000 people that day uh, gave their lives over to Jesus and said, yes, he is the one we've been waiting. We We will now follow Jesus. And Peter's message was, "You need repent, to turn away from your sin," and Jesus is the one you've been waiting for. And then it says they were baptized. All right, so that's story number one. This unexpected, devout religious people. All right, story number two. This story is about religious people who believe differently than you do. Okay, who's that for you? People that go to church and maybe even they go to. A good church, but you think their beliefs are a little bit wacky or a little bit off, or maybe you can maybe it comes to mind. You think of people that are Catholic or Anglican or some maybe a little farther from you, and you just think, well, I really hope they can. All right. In this case, it was Samaritans. Samaritans were kind of half-breeds. They weren't really. They and the Jews didn't get along. All right. But Philip is goes to Samaria. Right. And Philip goes to Samaria, and again, he goes there because he knows God sent him there, and then all of a sudden miracles started happening, demons were cast out, really supernatural things were happening. And then we read that uh, many men and women came to Jesus. And these were people that, man, if somebody had told Philip, you're going you're to go to the Samaritans, you're going to go to these people that have really wacky theology, they're going to these people that really don't believe the right stuff. And actually, you've been taught they're kind of the kind of people you should kind of keep your hands off of because they're dirty. And Philip, because God has sent him there, he goes to these people and it says many men and women uh, were baptized. So who do you know that believes differently than you do? Maybe God might send you into a situation this week where somebody has a whole different belief structure than you do, but God's sending you in there to start talking to them about Jesus. All right? Story number three. This is a story of somebody who was unfamiliar with the Bible. Now, every every one of us knows people that are unfamiliar with the Bible. I don't understand it. There are people like that in your life. In this case, it was a government official from the country of Ethiopia. He was a treasurer. He was actually uh, a eunuch, which in those days they were doing they did kind of, kind of help the queen trust these guys a little bit more. But basically he was somebody who didn't understand the Bible. And Philip, again, this is Philip again. This is, this is one of these fascinating passages. I, I love this passage because it says Philip was wa- leaving town one day and God and the Spirit said to him, go down that road. I'm sure Philip had an agenda for that day, but God said, no, go down this road. So he starts walking down this road. And then it says, and an angel Pointed out to him this government official from Ethiopia reading a book by within his chariot over by the water, and then it says the angel said, "Go to that chariot," and then it says fill a brand to that chariot. Now, back off for a second here because some of us might think, "Well, I don't know that the Holy Spirit's ever directed me to take Third Street instead of Second Street." I mean, maybe. I don't know that an angel's ever told me, hey, why don't you go talk to that person? Maybe. I mean, are there times in which the Holy Spirit's trying to intervene in our daily routines? And then Philip goes to this man, and the guy's looking at the Bible. He's he's reading from the prophet Isaiah, and he basically tells Philip in so many words, I don't get this. I don't understand the Bible. I don't understand what this passage means. What's it talking about? And again, you know people like that. You may come across somebody this week that, like this neighbor of mine, just throws out, why did Jesus have to die? You might have somebody might just out of the blue says, I don't understand why the Bible says this, this, or this. And then it says, Philip, talk to the man about Jesus. The man believed, and then he was baptized. All right? Someone who was unfamiliar with the Bible. Again, these are the very people that Jesus said, I'm going to pray for the people who are going to come to believe through you. And you see how so far every one of them has some kind of a supernatural, God-interrupted kind of moment to it. Really inconvenient for these people. All right, next one. Acts chapter 9 is a story about somebody who is hostile to Christianity. You know somebody like that? I mean, just last week, somebody, one of you, told me about a, uh, a professor you have who is very hostile to Christianity. And it was hostile to the point that it really bothered you and irritated you. Do you think that person may be close to Jesus in any way? Because you would never totally write them off as any kind of conversation you should have because all they're going to do is bite your head off, right? But in this case, the guy's name was Saul. He, he actually helped organize killing Christians. He was there when Stephen was stoned to death. He was hostile to Christians to the point of wanting them to die because he hated them so much. And then Saul has this experience with Jesus along the road, or has this, you know, light shining on him, a genuine, spiritual, real-life experience. He doesn't know what to do with it. And then God tells, this is another one of these stories I love. God tells this guy named Ananias. "Um, Hey, this, you need to, Ananias, he tells Ananias in a dream, like a vision. Again, don't, don't think super spiritual those things. I think many of us have dreams or visions or promptings from God that we see things happening that we just blow off because we don't know what it is. But in this case, Ananias senses he's supposed to go down to this certain house that he'd never been to before and talk to a guy named Saul. And Ananias tells God, this is, what, this is kind of a funny passage of scripture, I think he tells God, are you kidding me? I know what this guy does to Christians. I, you want me to go You're kidding me, right? And God's like, no. I mean, I'm I'm paraphrasing red loosely here. But God says, no, I'm I'm not kidding you. I want you, because I've already shown Saul he's going to follow me and he's going to do great things in my name. So Ananias, and I'm sure Ananias had an agenda that day. He probably had a job. He probably was going to be late for work. Who knows? I mean... Not only was God interrupting his agenda, he was leading him to a situation where Ananias thought, I'm, gonna, I'm a dead duck here. If this, guy, if this isn't of God, I'm going to really be embarrassed and probably even hurt, and the guy's going to vent all his hostility at me. But Ananias goes to Saul. Saul knew from God that Ananias was coming. Saul acknowledges that he experienced Jesus, and Ananias explains what this Jesus was all about and what it was all about. And then Saul's baptized. And let me stop for a second, too, and, and note all these situations, people, when they believed, they were baptized. And I'm not going to say this in any kind of uh, pushy, pressure way, but there are some of you that here that have not been baptized. You believe, but for some reason or another, uh, you're not sure about baptism. This is not a pressure guilt thing, but baptism, when these people were baptized, it seemed like they were baptized, and the, the response after that was joy. It was like, wow, baptism wasn't this thing that you just kind of, it's a ritual I'm supposed to do. And there seemed to be this sense of this is the next right thing to do if I'm going to do this thing well. If I'm going to follow Jesus well. If I'm going to die to myself, if I'm going to die to what I used to be and be alive to a whole new reality of the Holy Spirit in me and the life of Jesus in me, this is what you do. I mean, these, these people all knew this. They, and, and, and the disciples knew this. what you do. And it's not what you do because you have to; it's what you do because it's the next step on a huge journey for you. So, end of commercial there. But if I, I'm going to encourage you again, if that, if if you're not even sure, I'm going I'm, I'm going I'm hoping that God will kind of hover you over this week. And if you come next Sunday morning, and you're still not sure. Hey, Dan's bringing extra towels next Sunday, and I, I'm serious. So if you decide next Sunday morning, I think I'm going to do what God's asking me to do here. I want to encourage you to, to even consider that. But ideally, let us know ahead of time. All right? I mean, anyway, you know what I'm saying. But every one of these people were baptized, and they were baptized, and the next step seemed to be an unleashing of something great in their lives. All right? Next one. Um, Acts chapter 10. This is a story about how a good person from, an, from another religion became a follower of Jesus, right? Who do you know in that category? Who do you know that you think is a good person, a devout person, even a moral person, but they're not from your religious group, faith tradition? They're not Christians, so to speak. I mean, scan your neighborhood real quick. Scan your dorm, your apartment complex, your place of work. There are people that fall in that category. Good people from another religion. All right. In this case the guy's name was Cornelius. He was a Roman centurion. As a Roman, he wasn't Jewish. He didn't believe in the God of the Bible. He didn't believe in Abraham, Isaac, and you know, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He probably had more of a pantheistic, many-god kind of approach to reality. But we do know from Scripture that he was a good person. They say, actually he's called a God-fearing person, which in that context meant he seemed to do good things. He seemed to do good deeds. He gave things to the poor. He was a good person. But he just wasn't one of them. And in this case, Peter, not only was he not one of them, he was a Gentile, which, again, the Jewish people were taught that those people were kind of ha- unclean. We don't associate with them. Peter... Again, Peter the fisherman, Peter the average, ordinary guy, he has this vision where he really senses God's telling him, I want you to go talk to this Gentile, this guy from another religion, because he's expecting you, Peter, because he needs somebody to tell him about me. And again, Peter, which, you know, we would all do if we were good Jews then, kind of resists the guy, wait a minute, God, that's a Gentile. I'm I'm not even supposed to go in their houses. They have dirty food, unclean food. They eat pork chops or whatever, hot dogs, whatever. They eat pork and they're unclean. I'm not going to do that. That that goes against my religious scruples. Quick aside here, God doesn't really care about our religious scruples because our religious scruples are just that religious scruples they're not convictions of the Holy Spirit we've shaped a certain boundaries around the kind of people we're supposed to talk to but in this case Peter has this vision and again a vision not unlike some of us have probably had and don't even know it Peter was an ordinary guy he didn't have like super supersonic vision hearing seeing or whatever Peter then goes to Cornelius's house and Cornelius is basically like we've been expecting you because God told Cornelius that he should be expecting somebody. Peter talks to Cornelius, explains about Jesus, explains that Jesus came to set people free and he was the Messiah. He's the one who will get you and who will give you peace with God, is what Peter said to him. There is peace with God through Jesus. Cornelius believes, and Cornelius does what next? He's baptized. All right. I mean, the whole book of Acts is just story after story of people in all these different categories. Good people from other religions. Devout, devout people who didn't really know Jesus. People who were hostile to Jesus. People who were just clueless to Jesus. People that you and I are surrounded with every day. And it's not a demeaning, th- I'm not saying that demeaning to them, it's just they, they, they don't know Jesus. Now, a couple things I want to point out that are similarities in all these stories and um, will be be similarities in any story you or I are invited into this week or next week or whatever, all right? Three things for the next slide there. First of all, these conversions happened because the Holy Spirit was active and these average, ordinary people, Peter, Philip, et cetera, et cetera, responded to what God was asking them to do no hyper drama but a prompting from the spirit a a vision, a visual picture that God was saying I want you to do this in some cases the conversions followed, um, healings they had done for people but simple practical thing number one is just listen for the Holy Spirit and you might say well the Holy Spirit doesn't talk to me I don't have these kind of pictures and dreams or I don't dream in color, mine are black and I don't know, you know what Peter and Philip And then Ananias, these were ordinary guys. And some guys, in some cases, they were knuckleheads. They still didn't get what Jesus was trying to do in their lives. But yet Jesus was excited and loved to work through these guys. So if you think, well, God doesn't talk to me that way, don't believe that lie because God wants to talk to you that way. And it doesn't mean you're lesser because he doesn't, but he will. He'll prompt you. You'll have a sense of talking to somebody or whatever, and you're like, I think that might be God." Be, just listen, be, be open. Even letting God, this, even the prayer, you know, Spirit, I adore you, lay my life before you. You know, Spirit, I adore you, I lay my week before you. If there's anybody you want to redirect my day, if my, if my calendar for the day is going to get messed up because you redirect me, I mean, undergraduates, is, don't use that excuse not to go to class, by the way. I'm just, you know, oh, God told me not to go to class. Okay, whatever, anyway. But you will be interrupted, all right? Second thing, be bold. No, go back, go back, go back, Keith. Yeah, be bold. Every one of these situations, because you're not always sure exactly positively what God's wanting to do next, you listen to the Holy Spirit, Peter knew he had to stand up and preach. Ananias knew he had to go to this murderer Saul's house. Peter knew he had to go to this dirty Gentile's house. Philip knew he was supposed to go to this guy talking to and reading the Bible in a chariot. Well, and they were bold. They were like, okay. I'm going to go for this because I think God wants me to go for this. What's, what blows me away in the book of Acts is that these guys who were all cowering the night Jesus was arrested, they ran and hid and they denied Jesus, they were hiding. Because of Jesus' resurrection, seven, eight, nine weeks later, they're, they're these incredibly bold men and women. And, boy, sign me up for that. There's not one of us here that wouldn't, wouldn't like to be more bold. So if, take a risk, don't be a jerk, but be bold. There's a difference, there's a huge difference, all right? Uh, Third thing, this is a really simple, practical thing, but talk about Jesus. Don't talk about just God or religion or my faith or Christianity. Every one of these people in the book of Acts who come to follow Jesus is because the person was talking to them about Jesus, And you know, I I, I guarantee you, you you come to a point in a conversation where you know Jesus is the right word to say, not because it's magic or anything, you will feel that tension to downgrade the word to God. I mean, I don't mean God's downgrade, you know what I mean by that. But you'll feel the tension to down, well, my faith is really important to me. Okay. Most people will buy that. You say to somebody, you know, my friendship with Jesus is really important to me. Ooh, now you put yourself in the weird category. Right? The name Jesus, it really is offensive in some ways. You're not, not, you're not saying that to offend them, but it pricks people's ears up. You start talking about Jesus with your neighbor, with your coworker, with someone in your dorm, or with a total stranger God's asked you to talk to, it changes the whole course of the conversation. So get used to talking about Jesus. Refer to yourself as a friend of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. Why so trust Jesus? And this is what Jesus wants me to do. Instead of using the safe language of faith, God, church, Christianity. Not that those things aren't true, but you understand what I'm saying. These people were converted to following Jesus, not to following religion. They weren't converted to a church. They weren't converted to a a, a movement. They were converted to Jesus. So be committed that when God prompts you, just step into a situation, a conversation, whether it's in your kitchen like I was with my neighbor who wanted a cup of milk but then ask about Jesus' death. Just be bold, talk about Jesus, and have confidence the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. Uh, last slide here. Actually, two more, a few more. This is the passage we read earlier, all right? I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. All right, I've taken a little freedom to paraphrase it. Go to the next slide here. All right, um, Rod Kiel, why don't you stand up and just read that out loud? Jesus is praying not only for me, but for all who will ever believe in Jesus. My, through, through my message. All right, through Rod's message. That's what Jesus is saying. People are going to believe in you through our message. All right. Um, what's your name? Victoria. Victoria. Stand up. Same thing. Out Loudly. Jesus is praying not only for me, but for all who will ever believe in Jesus through my message. All right. He's praying for people that are going to come to Jesus because of you and your words and your life and your ministry to other people. All right. Everybody out loud, say this. Read this together. All right. Jesus is praying not only for me, but for all who will ever believe in Jesus through my message. All right. Last slide, and we'll get to communion here. This is Jesus earlier in the Gospel of John, so it's a few weeks earlier than the Thursday night. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me just as my, my Father knows me, and I know the Father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too, they're not in this sheepfold. I must bring them in also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. See, when Jesus prayed for those who believed through our message, what was his next line? He said, I pray they be one. God, I, I pray that these people who don't yet know you will understand the relational wholeness and the joy and the kind of life that comes by knowing me. And Jesus like, I want them in this sheepfold. Jesus wasn't like counting numbers. He wanted people to be set free. So your motivation to talk to people or respond to the Spirit of God is because Jesus, I must bring them also. Jesus is like passionate about some of these people in your life. He's passionate about people you'll meet this week for the first time. That maybe the person he's saying, here's the conversation. And you're like, oh no, I don't have time. And God's like, you know what, go for it. And you're like, okay, I will. Because Jesus said, I'm sacrificing my life. He didn't just die for us. He dies for all those people. Um, They're going to be part of his sheeple. And he he needs us. He doesn't just need us. He's designed that we are the ones through our message, the message of your life and your words, that these people become followers of Jesus. I want to, I'm going to pray here in a second. I'm going to pray that not only we see conversions, people following Jesus in the next few weeks because of us, you, but we want to see increase in baptisms not just here I'd love to hear reports from Emmanuel Baptist Church or Sherwood Oaks or St. Paul's Catholic Church hey we're having an unusual large number of baptisms in the next month because isn't that what Jesus wants? He wants more people to be set free so they can have the oneness and the unity that he has with the Father and that we have with one another so we become whole, full of the life and joy that Jesus had so close your eyes with me Um, You know the song we sang earlier, just uh, Spirit, I adore you. Let's do this. Just sing that same chorus, and let's sing Spirit, I adore you. Lay my weak before you. Not that he has to do something this week, but let's at least let God, we're open that if he wants to send us to talk to somebody in their chariot or talk to a Roman centurion in his house or whatever he wants to do, we're willing to do that, all right? Spirit, spirit-eyed, or you. Lay my week before you. How I love you, all right? With your eyes closed, maybe open your hands up, put them on your lap. All right, here we go. Spirit, I adore you. Lay my weak. Lay my weak before you. How I love you. Holy Spirit, we want to give you absolute freedom to redirect our lives this week, to redirect our conversations, even redirect our words. Because we know, even right this moment, Jesus is praying for people that we're going to encounter this week or next week or the following week. Jesus, you're praying for those people. Holy Spirit, we want to be responsive, and we want to be a part of answering the prayers of Jesus. And Jesus, we're grateful that you said you, there's more sheep that you want in the sheepfold. And these are sheep that you said, just like you have for us, that you've sacrificed yourself for. And the message of the good news is you gave yourself on the cross and then you rose from the dead so we can be fully alive, set free, men, women, girls, and boys. So Jesus, we honor you this morning. We say say thanks to you by this table of communion, this bread and this juice that are mystical but symbolic of what you said you came to do for us. So as we take in this... uh, representation of your body and your blood are we also then confirming our invitation to you that we'll do whatever we can do we will do whatever you ask us to do to answer your prayers for these people that aren't yet in your flock so um, do that in us and we're grateful uh, that you've chosen us to do that and we ask this all in the name of Jesus amen here's how we end Uh, we'll take communion here And um, what we do, the way.